0: This is High Stakes, from Gerard, Phillips, Kate, and Hancock. (laughs) All right. Welcome to High Stakes. I'm David Schifrin, and uh, I've had a couple technical quirks here, but we are ready to talk about a new angle on healthcare crisis communications. Uh, Really, we're coming at it from a different perspective and, and then drawing some parallels with healthcare. So specifically, we're going to be doing that through baseball, and the Houston Astros. So I'm joined by uh, a couple of our uh, very talented high-level staff here at the firm. Tim Stewart, who is actually responsible for this idea, so direct all angry email at him. Uh, And also Steve Patterson, who has a a pretty interesting background in crisis communications and journalism. And since we're talking about baseball, we need to talk about team loyalty. So guys, real quick, just give a quick update on on who you follow, who you support before we get into this whole thing.
1: Uh, I grew up in Detroit, and... um... I am a lifelong and many years suffering Tigers fan.
2: That's Steve. Uh, I'm Tim. I'm a Cubs fan Uh, who have never cheated anything and uh, are impeccable. Yeah. And I'm a a Rockies
0: fan. Unimpeachable. Is that true? (laughs) I, yeah, I am. I am a Rockies fan and ownership and current general manager don't even have the competence to to try to cheat. But be that as it may, we're here to talk about the Houston Astros. We've been watching this story. Uh, and I think it's fair to say both as baseball fans and as communications professionals. And it's gone through a lot of changes over the last few weeks. And we're kind of at a point where we can start to compile what's happened from that professional standpoint and kind of, like I said before, draw some parallels to, to healthcare and just crisis communications in general. So Tim, tell us what's going on.
2: I think it's important to give a little context to who the Houston Astros are in the grand scheme of the sports landscape over the last, I think, 20 years or so since Moneyball, the analytics revolution has come to baseball and basketball primarily. And so the Astros have sort of been positioned themselves as the vanguard of this movement. And so what that looked like over the last 10 years was they lost a lot intentionally to pile up draft picks and get better players. And they did that and they picked the right players and they became a juggernaut in the last uh, four or five years. Over that time, they were also not shy about positioning themselves as the Vanguard, basically treating themselves as the smartest people in the room. And so over the last six months, as they faced a number of public relations crises, they haven't had any friends backing them up. So it, the we're here primarily to talk about the cheating scandal. But I think uh, an additional piece of context is during last year's World Series, a major storyline was that an Astros assistant general manager screamed at some women reporters how happy he was that the Astros had signed a domestic abuser. This is the sort of thing that the Astros, well, it was a unique thing all around. But it was not inconsistent with what people thought of the Astros then. So then, over the last uh, few months, they've been accused of banging trash cans. Steve, may, maybe you want to give a little bit of color onto the current cheating crisis.
1: Yeah, it. it I, I think as simply as it can be put, um, you know, they, they found an advantage to utilizing whatever they could, whether it's it was noisemakers like trash cans. From the outfield, or perhaps buzzing electronic devices. I think and-
2: there were buzzers. There were definitely buzzers.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. there totally were. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, the 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 players on the team certainly took took many steps to gain advantages by cheating.
2: Yeah. So, and, and to bring it into the world that uh, I guess people who listen to this podcast would think about, it, it came to light through a whistleblower, Mike Fires, a former pitcher for the Astros, uh, in an interview with the Athletic told them that this was going on, that the Astros... So that was in November. And then Major League Baseball launched an internal investigation. Now, Steve, you uh, used to be an investigative reporter. What does internal investigation sound like to you?
1: Well, it immediately raises eyebrows. It, it, it's, it's who's doing the investigation. What sort of ties do they have? What interests do they have in the protecting the image of the, the league um, and trying to draw attention away from this as that investigation was internal investigation was going on. And then some legitimate questions of who's doing that investigation. And, and, uh, is it really going to be independent, uh, or not?
0: And to yeah, be clear I that th- investigation was coming from major league baseball headquarters. Right.
2: Exactly. So major league baseball, uh, is investigating from the period of time from November to January when they released their findings. Um, as far as we know the astros did not do any similar soul searching during that time uh they did not do any work to find out what actually had gone on on their end and steve mentioned uh, the strategy involved in an internal investigation. So January comes, uh, Major League Baseball suspends the general manager, Jeff Lunau, and the field manager, A.J. Hinch, and the Astros within an hour fire them in something that seemed like a ham-handed attempt at public relations all around. Uh, it felt like obvious coordinating between Major League Baseball and the owner of the Astros to say, look, we took care of it. These are the guys, and they're done. Um, that is not
1: how it has been received broadly.
0: So, yeah. I mean, so how has it been received?
1: Yeah, there's no question there, 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 was unethical behavior. They cheated, they, they've, they've admitted as such and they won big. Are those things tied? I think there are certain instances where you can point to, yeah, they absolutely won that game or, or that series as a result of those advantages, careers were ended as a result of some of that. Um, and that, that investigation did find it was player driven, player executed, and yet no players were punished, only management and leadership. And the thinking was, well, we want to encourage players to come forward if they have concerns in the future. But I think there's a real disconnect there for, for the average fan or, or anybody uh, of when you see one group being punished, but not the other.
2: So you can see where Major League Baseball was trying to go, all right, we'll bang this out in January. We'll have the suspensions, and then you know the Astros will fire these guys. By spring training, we'll be fine. Well, th- this will be a story that happened in the offseason. But what actually happened was all the players from the other teams in baseball have lined up to tee off on the Astros. Um, and that started with their apology tour.
0: Yeah, so talk about that uh, apology tour air quotes tour, spoiler alert, air quotes.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, the, the report came out in January, um, and the players, the Astros players had like a fan fest where they said nothing and everyone kind of built up, uh, to the first day of spring training. So there was a lot of anticipation around, okay, this is going to be where the Astros finally come clean. Uh, and they did not (laughs) gave, patently insincere apologies the owner said it didn't affect games um alex bregman acted like alex bregman uh it was just a bad scene all around and they created that by having a vacuum for a month after these findings where everyone built up this anticipation for a big apology that would rip the band-aid off and it didn't come and then everyone flipped
1: out and I think that's that's one of the things that, you know, if you just kind of look at crisis management 101, where you know, the, the advice is to get in front of it, if, if you've done something wrong, to apologize, to make sure your messaging is consistent, be transparent, and demonstrate the commitment to change, do it through your actions, and you could just sort of slowly see the wheels coming off with each step or each day uh, throughout this process.
2: Well, I think it's important also to your point, like their first spring training game, their lineup was a bunch of people who were not on the team in 2017 and who no one's ever heard of and were booed the entire game. It's spring training, like February spring training is geriatrics and toddlers like it's it's spring break and and early bird specials. This is not the die hard. like these these guys have no idea what they're in for.
1: This is not going away.
0: So, okay. So we're caught up to right now, tie all this back into what we're talking about as crisis communications. I mean, Steve, you already gave a really nice framework for how this applies, but let's kind of move that into what they should have done, what they could have done, and what anybody listening could take away from this uh, hilarious debacle. And I'll just add, I will add one more baseball note here, which is that I do find it hilarious because the victims of all this were the Dodgers in the World Series. And so uh, while it was um, awful to see a team cheat and win the world series to me again as a rockies fan it is kind of worth it but i would I also double bias.
2: down on that because i have not forgotten the 2008 nlds where a juiced up manny ramirez ro- <laughs> ran a rampage <laughs> over the cubs so
1: i think if there's one thing we can all agree on is that nobody cares about the dodgers i, I, I think with, with you know, we we're talking about leadership being punished and and i think the idea behind that was to motivate changes to the culture that enabled that, that allowed that to happen. But you've got this widespread problem within an organization that's a sign of greater issues, greater cultural issues. And I think that's what we're seeing play out now is they thought, okay, let's get out there, have a quick press conference, say we're sorry, but then maybe we're not sorry from some other comments that are being made. And it's just been this winding road of an apology tour and it it is a sign that there are some greater problems there.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that what we've seen here and what is applicable to any organization is that when you build an organization that um, at, at its root sort of arrogance and um, disdain for other people's opinions, that will root itself out in a crisis. And also, if you treat people like that, if you act that way, when you fall, no one's going to catch you. And, and so, if you haven't built relationships, people are ready to ready for you to fall, and they're going to jump all over it.
0: Because you're talking about culture, like deep rooted culture. This this isn't just hiring a new you know a new a, a new communications person or or you know it's not window dressing.
2: When you think about the the right culture to build and sort of the limits of what happened here, is um, you you see a really top-down approach at work here. Um, they thought that at a, a really high level, they could kind of just paper over this entire situation. They didn't engage any of the impacted audiences. It doesn't seem like fans were engaged in any sincere way. It's clear that other players weren't engaged in any sincere way. Um, and so I, I think if you if you try and torture the metaphor, but th- those are the, how we engage our stakeholders, how we bring people along in any major change, um, particularly a difficult crisis provoked one, uh, I, I think is reflective of an organization's values.
0: Steve, what about the the timing on this? Because you guys both mentioned um, that the Astros moved very quickly. I think, Tim, you said that it was, it, it came across as, and probably was a very highly coordinated uh, announcement between the league and the Astros. So putting aside the arrogance and the ego and the, and the rotten culture is it okay to kind of take a breath, even if that means there's going to be a a momentary lull? Um, like what does the timeline look like on, on that?
1: I think it's good to take a pause to gather the facts and decide how to appropriately respond in this situation. There was, you know, defiance, there was silence, there was a semi apology surrounded by defiance again. Um, you know, th- th- there was just a lot of inconsistencies in their in their messaging a- and they lost a lot of time to speak up. And as a result, they lost some credibility. Um, but the, it, the, I think most significantly it is you know, demonstrating the commitment to change. I made a mistake. I've learned from it. Here's what I'm doing going forward. And and we're going to be transparent about all of this. It, it, they just didn't check any of those boxes.
0: Which is kind of ironic, because you said early on, you want to get out ahead of these situations. So that implies moving quickly, but getting out ahead isn't necessarily moving really fast, it's moving carefully and appropriately. And if that means taking a a pause, then you do it. So there's kind of a weird paradox there
1: about a six-week period, maybe seven weeks, where from the time the first story came out to the time the investigation was over, and certainly they don't want to interfere with Major League Baseball's investigation, want to try to uphold, even if it's just for appearance sake, the integrity of that investigation, but you develop that plan and you, you know how this is going to end. You know where it's going, plan for it. Anticipate the responses from the fans from the media, from your own fan base questioning things as well. You're going to have apologists in any organization that's facing a crisis. But even going beyond that, um, anticipate those responses, anticipate those questions, get your messaging in line, top to bottom, and make sure that everybody's on the same page and singing from the same hymn book.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's also important to think about the fact that there are a number of things that they could have done to mitigate things over the last... Three months, um, but to David's point, this is a culture that was years in the making, and so this everything that's happened recently has just been affirmation, trailing indicators of the culture that they had already built. Um, to the point where they didn't think about doing any of these things the right way because they didn't know how.
0: Yeah. So, last point or question for me is, um, you know, we talk a lot. At Gerard about how the narrative around institutions has changed. They're, the the trust in institutions has dropped a lot over the last few years, and and our industry is beginning to see that with healthcare providers, hospitals uh, starting to come under more scrutiny. And I think it's fair to say that there's a parallel there as well with sports. I mean, we see it a lot in the NFL and we're seeing it in baseball in a lot of respects. So talk about just kind of the trust that the public, whether the public is the patients or the public is us as baseball fans, have or don't have in these institutions and what that means for the investigative process and kind of the transparency around this whole thing.
2: I mean, and Steve and I have talked about this a little bit, the era that we live in is people are very distrustful of institutions. There's a lot of distrust generally across the board. And so this has sort of been within baseball, a perfect storm where people I think have channeled a lot of their feelings about things that are happening in the world onto what is essentially trivial. Um, It's people relaying messages from a camera and banging trash cans. But the Gall of just the general populace, I think, is is due to the world we live in and and a mistrust that anything is as it seems. And so, part of the fiction that we all create around sports is that there are rules and there's a score and there's you know clean winners and losers. It's also a hyper competitive environment um, where people are likely to look for any edge. And so um, that tension, I think, is true in a lot of life right now. And the Astros have made themselves a convenient target um, because the rest of the world is pretty messy.
1: You know, Major League Baseball, like a lot of health systems, is a private organization. They are under no obligation to be transparent uh, with their internal um, internal workings, but it, they also rely on trust to, to, to have people come in those gates each day, each game, and... and and trust that organization and and believe in that organization um and yet you know when we talk about that trust there's also this media that is constantly prying i i'm sure they thought i ah, this is never going to get out we don't need to worry about this I assume i think that things like this are going to get out um, not that you develop a whole plan around, hey, we just cheated and won the World Series. Let's develop a communications plan around that. But you know, with any negative or potentially negative things, anticipate where your weaknesses might be, the shortcomings, where you're vulnerable, and begin shaping out a plan, uh, at least you know, an outline that, that, that can be useful. Um, because that, you, you lose that trust. And you just—that's that's the beginning of of the downfall that we've seen over the last few weeks. I think
2: all of this requires a certain level of self awareness and humbleness uh, among leadership of, of any organization in order to do the level of reflection that Steve's talking about, uh, in order to assess the risks and vulnerabilities so that you are ready for these sorts of crises when they arise. Obviously, in healthcare when a crisis arises it's generally considerably more serious than banging trash cans so it underscores how incumbent it is on our leaders to do
1: that reflection and be ready one thing one final point that i'll make on this i i I saw a survey last week where it said 94 percent of those surveyed say the players who broke the rules should be punished But only 48% of people in that survey thought that by punishing the leaders, it would result in changed player behavior. So that gets you back to the thing that we talked about earlier, culture. Uh, you, You created a culture there that enabled cheating. And I think the only hope is, is that by punishing leadership, you're gonna motivate the changes that are necessary to change that culture.
0: Great, we'll leave it there. Thanks guys. Enjoy spring training, and uh, we'll see how all this plays out over the next few months.